Is it possible to have access to the highest quality health care whenever your family needs it? Count on it. Count on Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan to give you access to the care you need with the largest network of top doctors and hospitals. Because when you find the doctor that's right for you, you should be able to choose her. Access and choice. It's healthcare coverage that works the way you want it to. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Confidence comes with every card. The torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. He battled the talking heads and cynics in Washington to save GM and Chrysler. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. He battled the Great Recession to save Michigan's capital city from bankruptcy. To this big, bold country that we love, that's what I see. That's the America I know. Now he's on a mission to save the America that brought his father from Italy and millions of immigrants to build the greatest nation in the world. And I do believe that the office of citizen is the highest office in this country. Here he is, America, Verge Bernero. All right, I am Verge Bernero. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Verge Show. Today, impeachment, coronavirus, is that a beer virus? Uh, should we be scared? And morning, bas- morning basketball legend Kobe Bryant. I don't know about you, my fellow Americans, but as the Trump impeachment trial proceeds in the Senate, I have a flood of emotions. Uh, I watched quite a bit of it in the last couple of days, and it made me angry. It made me proud. I was appalled. I was shocked. I was disgusted. I was outraged. But then I was proud again. Uh, proud to be an American. Isn't there a song? Proud to be an American. Uh, even though it was an arresting spectacle, as I say, at times really made me mad. I disagreed vehemently uh, with a lot of what I heard. I agreed with a lot of it, with passion. Um, and at the end of it, Kevin, I have to, uh, I have to sort of sit back and marvel at the, the process. Now, you know, my friends, Democrat and Republican, can debate and will debate about was it wise politically? Is it a waste of time? Is it a waste of money? Blah, blah, blah. And I say blah, blah, blah to you because, of course, it's worth the money. This is our democratic republic. I have said that the highest office in the land is that of citizen. When you listen to that debate, and I challenge you who have ignored it, and look, I get it, people are busy. People have lives, people have jobs, they have families, they have things to do. But this is America, the greatest democratic republic in the world, I hope, still. And this is what's going on. This incredible process where a president of the United States is being tried. We, we, never mind the Democrats, strip out the Democrat and Republican out of it. Think about this. Think of the majesty of it. Think of what it means in a country where the top dog, the top guy, can be brought up on charges and his fate, his or her fate, to be determined by these legislative bodies, by the House and the Senate. In the Senate, it will finally, the president's fate will be determined as far as whether he stays in office. His power will be determined by the, the Supreme Legislature by the U.S. Senate. That's an incredible thing. And that's where I get the pride. Not as a Democrat, 
but as an American, that we have a process where I can disagree vehemently with what is being said, but that person has a right to say it. I can sit there and think, that guy's lying. He's a filthy liar. But he has the right to stand there on the floor of the United States Senate and plead his case on behalf of the president. And the other side can stand up and say, the president's a filthy liar or whatever. This is the country we live in. And so I, I, I can't help it. I get genuinely excited and passionate and, uh, about the fact that we live in a country like that. How many, how many millions of people are out there? They're suffering in a lot of ways. You know, they suffer from hunger. They suffer from an environmental degradation. They suffer from a lack of medicine. But they suffer from a lack of liberty as well. This country is a nation of ideas. This country is founded on liberty where uh, supposedly no one is above the law. And just the fact, whether he's convicted or not, what I celebrate, I celebrate not as a Democrat or a Republican, but as an American. The fact that our leader can be brought up on charges. Some people don't like that. Some people say, oh, now impeachment could become run of the mill. Impeachment, why, they've lowered the standard, and now every president's going to be impeached. I don't, I don't happen to believe that. I think that President Trump's, uh, as you know, Kevin, I think that the president's transgressions you know, have been uh, many and, and are significant. I, I, I don't think it's, oh, on the drop of a dime, oh, a phone call. No. Some bad crap happened on that phone call. Okay? He was extorting a, uh, another foreign government and trying to get them to intervene in our elections. It's a serious charge. But I celebrate, and I think all Republicans and Democrats should celebrate with me, all Americans, that we live in a country where everybody, all of our elected officials, have to be accountable. They can be hauled in. They can be now. He may or may not be. But the, but surely it's got to be a warning to him that you can't just get away with everything. People are watching. You got to be accountable. And we're going to debate the amount that it's accountable. But here in America, where liberty matters, where the truth matters, we settle our differences, even our even big differences, in a forum like this where weighty arguments, heated arguments are heard and tried. That's America, folks. That's something to be proud of. That's something to celebrate. So while we're busy at each other's throats, Democrats and Republicans, let's take a minute and pause and recognize what we have here, which is incredible, which is almost unparalleled in the world, where we can take the top dog, whether it's Bill Clinton, Richard Nixon, uh, or Donald Trump, the top dog, and hold them accountable and really dig in to the facts. Uh, that's that's an amazing thing. I feel that way on Election Day. I, I really do. I think Election Day is proof that we've either decided you've met what we need for a leader in this world and the country, or you haven't. And today we're going to see whether you got it or not. I love accountability yeah. of any kind. Yeah. Well, an election is certainly Generally speaking, that is where accountability happens yeah. in our democracy. But, but this is another, another another form of accountability. That's right. that's right. It's built into the Constitution. Now, of course, this what we're talking about counters with Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong, I think, is the guy who said that all political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. Right. Uh, in the Little Red Book. Um, but we don't believe that here. No. We believe political power comes from the people. And that's a pretty special thing.
my fellow Americans. That's a pretty special and unique thing. We believe political power comes from the people. I'd like to hear that clip, uh, Adam Schiff. I, of course, I'm biased in this regard. I think Adam Schiff has just done a phenomenal job of managing this whole process. Um, and they were arguing about, as you know, one of the big issues still hanging in the balance right now is whether they're going to hear witnesses in this in the Senate, which I understand every other impeachment trial has involved witnesses. Uh, uh, McConnell and the leading Republicans don't want any more witnesses or any witnesses in the Senate. And I think this is Adam Schiff talking about why we ought to hear from witnesses. I think we can all see what's going on here. And that is, if the House wants to call witnesses, if you want to hear from a single witness, if you want to hear what John Bolton has to say, we are going to make this endless. We, the president's lawyers, are going to make this endless. We promise you, we're going to want Adam Schiff to testify. We're going to want Joe Biden to testify. We're going to want Hunter Biden. We're going to want the whistleblower. We're going to want everyone in the world. If you dare, if you have the, the, the unmitigated temerity to want witnesses in a trial, we will make you pay for it with endless delay. The Senate will never be able to go back to its business. That's their argument. How dare the House assume there will be witnesses in a trial? Shouldn't the House have known when they undertook its investigation that the Senate was never going to allow witnesses? That this would be the first impeachment trial in the history of the Republic with no witnesses? So Mr. Sekulow wants me to testify. I'd like Mr. Sekulow to testify about his contacts with Mr. Parnas or Mr. Cipollone about the efforts to implement the president's fight on all subpoenas. I'd like to ask questions about, well, I'd like to ask questions of the president and put him under oath. But we're not here to indulge in fantasy or distraction. We're here to talk about people with pertinent and probative evidence. And you know something? I trust the man behind me sitting way up who I can't see right now. But I trust him to make decisions about whether a witness is material or not, whether it's appropriate to out a whistleblower or not, whether to... So this is part of the argument that I'm talking about, this grand, eloquent argument, uh, debate that's taking place uh, right now in our United States Senate. The man he's referring to behind him, of course, is Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, uh, John Roberts, who is the presiding officer of this. Again, this has only happened three times uh, in our history that uh, an impeachment trial of the president. There have been impeachment of other federal officers, but impeachment trial of the president of the United States overseen by the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Um, and so this, the, the, there's a lot of things going on here. It's a power struggle. Yeah, it's, it's a power struggle between the legislative branch, if you will, and the executive branch. It being overseen by the Supreme Court, the third branch. But really, it's, it's really a battle of the, the Congress and the president. Uh, a lot of things have transpired. Um, the Democrats believe that uh, the president has not been forthcoming with information, that he's basically he said, I'm not going to give you any information. I'm not going to co uh, cooperate with the House investigation. I take Adam Schiff's side when he says, uh, basically, we tried to subpoena witnesses. We tried to get documents and we couldn't get any. And so now we're in the Senate. And, and isn't this about, shouldn't the trial, like any trial, be about getting to the truth. And so if John Bolton, if Mick Mulvaney, if they can get to the truth of the, the matter, then we ought to hear from them. Like in any trial, 
that's that's what a trial is for. You have witnesses. And the other impeachment trials had witnesses. So that's what he's he's answering a charge. I here. think, Virgil, the question I have is here's the man who had the opportunity to call any witness he wanted in the House. But he didn't. I'm glad. And I appreciate you saying that. And that's, that's totally, what doesn't make sense. But he, but he didn't. Okay, that that's to, that's just it. He they called witnesses. They they. But well, who's holding him accountable then? Mulvaney Let's wouldn't. Keep the accountability well, Mulvaney thing wouldn't going. come to the house. Bolton he wouldn't could, come to the house. We don't know that. We we, we absolutely do know it. They I, said I know they would give reading. him grief. I know. But, uh, time changes things. Do you know what well, I mean? Well, the point is now they're in the Senate. Okay, in the House, uh, Trump gave them nothing but the hard high one. Trump would not cooperate. He told all his people not to cooperate. They wouldn't come. Okay, they were subpoenaed. They wouldn't come. They were invited. So how does John Bolton go from I won't make myself available to making himself He wouldn't available? make himself available to the House. That's And, you'll have, and I don't understand I why. I don't either. You'd have to ask John Bolton. But now that his book is ready, he's saying he's available. And he would go to the Senate. Now, Trump, uh, of course, would fight it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so let's, uh, let, let's let uh, Schiff wind down. I think what Schiff is saying, and my point is, Let's get to the truth. A trial is about the truth. We ought to want to know the truth. Those senators, Democrat and Republican, should want to get to the truth. And that means have a witness or two. And he's saying he's content with John Roberts as the presiding officer deciding which witnesses are pertinent. Okay, if you're in a trial, Kevin, if you're being charged with something, your lawyer can't just say, I'd like to hear from Kevin's godmother. Okay, the judge that's why they're a judge. The judge will say, no, we're not going to hear from Kevin's godmother. Kevin's godmother is not a material witness. Right. She has no, you know, they might allow a certain number of character witnesses, <clears throat> but they're not going to just let you bring in anybody you want. The judge makes that determination for a fair trial. In this case, what Adam Schiff is saying <clears throat> is that John Roberts, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, is the presiding officer. He can decide Right. Which witnesses are He doesn't are want pertinent. that job, though. He's made it well, pretty clear. it's interesting. Somebody has to decide if a witness is pertinent, okay? Because the Republicans are talking about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Adam Schiff, blah, blah, blah. Do they have something material to say, to offer, that would add to a fair trial? Let's see what else Adam Schiff says. Whether a particular passage in a document is privileged or not, it's not going to take months of litigation, although that's what the President's counsel is threatening. They're doing the same thing to the Senate they did to the House, which is you try to investigate the president, you try to try the president, we will tie you and your entire chamber up in knots for weeks and months. And you know something? They will if you let them. You don't have to let them. You can subpoena John Bolton. You can allow the Chief Justice to make a determination in camera whether something is relevant, whether it deals with Ukraine or Venezuela, whether it's privileged or it isn't, whether it's the privilege is being misapplied to hide criminality or wrongdoing. We don't have to go up and down the courts. We've got a perfectly good Chief Justice sitting right behind me who can make these decisions in real time. So don't be thrown off by this claim, oh, if you even think about it, we are going to make you pay with delays like you've never seen. We're going to call witnesses that will turn this into a circus. It shouldn't be a circus. It should be a fair trial. You can't have a fair trial without witnesses. 
Well, it's going to be interesting. This is going to be settled uh, maybe by the time you hear this, uh, but very soon this issue of witnesses is going to be settled. Uh, the issue of whether they hear witnesses will be up to a simple majority vote of senators. And right now, uh, all the Democratic senators, I think, would vote for witnesses. Uh, and the question is, can they get four Republicans uh, to agree with them? If they do, what you hear Adam Schiff talking about is that the uh, he's saying that the chief justice, John Roberts, who's presiding, would have the power to determine which witnesses are pertinent and necessary for a fair trial so that it wouldn't drag on forever. He's saying, no, like in any trial, the judge will decide uh, and keep things under control. Uh, we're going to take a little break, uh, and when we come back, uh, uh, we're going to hear from Rashini Rajkumar, who is a lawyer and a host of News and Views with Rashini, uh, Rashini Rajkumar. She's a Minneapolis attorney, uh, author, and activist, and we're going to talk about impeachment and much more. You know, it's always good to have things in your life that you can count on like having the peace of mind that comes with health care coverage from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and Blue Care Network. Peace of mind knowing that you can count on access to the best care and that you'll have the technology like Blue Cross's mobile app and Blue Cross online visits with board-certified doctors to make your health care work for you around the clock anywhere you travel. Well, my friends at Blue Cross have been serving the people of Michigan for over 80 years. That's over 80 years of community involvement making Michigan a healthier place for all of us. And over 80 years of expertise working with doctors and hospitals to improve care, making it work better for patients. Access to care everywhere, the latest technology to make healthcare work for you, and over 80 years of experience and strength to stand behind you. These are things we all can count on from Blue Cross. To learn more, visit miBluesPerspectives.com. And now do we have on the line, uh, we're going to be joined, or we are joined, by Rashini Rajkumar, host of News and Views uh, on WCCO Radio in Minneapolis. Hi, Verge. Rashini, how are you? How are you? I am doing great. What a trial this has been. <laughs> so you've been glued to the, to the TV like I have. You know, you have probably been more glued than I. I am a little bit exhausted with it, so I keep track of it on social. I try to watch the highlights, but, you know, I don't practice law. I am a licensed attorney, but the lawyer in me, the lover of the Constitution in me, is kind of disgusted with both parties right now, so I can't do wall-to-wall coverage on it. Plus, I have a, you know, a day job. I've got to uh, work with my clients, so I yep. can't stay with it. Yes, I've been catching up at night, and uh, of course, my wife is uh, really fed up with it. Uh, <laughs> we had Don't to argue because Don't Michigan State was playing last night, and so we had to go to separate separate corners, separate rooms, uh, <laughs> because she's not gonna she she bleeds green. Um, so, what do you say? Will we? What What is your bet? Uh, do you go by Raj, or is that? And not uh, or Rashini. Uh, no, Rashini. Okay, yeah, Rashini. Raj Kumar is the last name. Yep. Yes. Uh, no, you know. So, will my, we have witnesses? I don't think we're going to have witnesses, but I won't be stunned if we do. I mean, you know, obviously, right now, uh, the people who want the witnesses are rallying, they're lobbying, they're trying to get those witnesses up there. But it, you know, this whole process has been a very interesting and political situation. It's of course, fun when you're a talk show host, Verge, because there's always things to talk about. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. But if you're an American who loves the Constitution, it, it is exhausting. And I'm very concerned. 
about what this could mean uh, for future generations and how future members of the Senate and the House will behave. Well, yes. And and before you came on, uh, Rashini, I talked about, uh, you know, how I am both a proud Democrat and a proud American. And I'm an American, of course, first. And Mm -hmm. while the trial has made me upset and angry and, and, you know, outraged at various times, it also... Uh, Just to repeat myself a little, it also makes me proud, though. There's parts of it that the fact that I just the fact that I get to hear this uh, debate in what is supposed to be the greatest deliberative body in the world. The fact that here in America in 2020, uh, whether no matter where which side you're coming from, that that a president can be called on the carpet, can be called on the mat and, and an attempt, at least, to be made to hold him accountable. The fact that this great debate, whether it's about witnesses or about the articles of impeachment themselves, the fact that this is happening and it is in real time and available to every American to watch, I mean, to me, that says that uh, a country that was founded some, you know, over 200 years ago, that I feel like there's something to celebrate in that, that our founders, you know, put something together that's pretty damn good that we need to make sure we hold on to. You know, Virg, you just gave me chills. That is so true when you, we take it back to the founders. Not only every American watch it real time, but across the globe. And you're absolutely right. There's no other country in the world where this exact process could even happen. The freedom that we have, the role that the framers wanted the members of the Senate and the members of the House to have to protect the governing bodies and to protect the very offices that we yes. elect people into. So that is a silver lining. I absolutely agree with you. you. Know, I, and I, it I, has been, you know, a, a while since we saw Clinton's impeachment trial. And so all those people who weren't born in 1998 are seeing something in real time. Yes, also. yes. And see, and I hope that I understand, and as we talked about with Kevin here in studio, I understand people have lives, they have to work, they have families, they got to put food on the table, et cetera. Uh, I get that, that it's not for for most people, impeachment is not uppermost in their mind as it has been in mine. But all of us should have certainly that that spark, that element, that part of our brain, that part of our heart that loves liberty. And, and, and we're allowed to take it for granted, Roshini, in America. We're, we, unlike in many countries, we're allowed to take our freedom and our liberty for granted. Uh, and we shouldn't, but we do. And now is a time when, when we should we should glimpse take get a glimpse you know to tune in when we can and get those and, and listen to the arguments no matter what side you're on and again take time out from from wrestling with each other and being at each other's throat to first of all as Americans come together and say wow you know th- instead of civil war this is how we do it we we argue we and 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 some people will say oh this is crazy it's going on till midnight you know on and on waste of time waste of money waste of airwaves no this is what we do as americans this we should hold this up and again i'm a diehard democrat uh, and as much as i'm yelling at the tv when those republican lawyers were up there uh, like i say uh, I, I this is the system that that we that we hold up that we should enshrine and celebrate uh, and, and, and be ready to accept, by the way, the results. Because ultimately, regardless of this, I mean, I don't think he's going to be removed. And I think we're going to get back to 2020 and the election. But there will be, that doesn't mean this can't, that doesn't mean this is a waste. You know, there will be instructive issues and facts maybe that come out of this that will help to inform the voters. You know, do, 
I mean, is that possible? Will, could we? Could we will, do you think we'll be able to say it was a, it was a net positive that that it was a worthwhile exercise, even if if the president isn't removed? I don't know if we're going to be able to say it was a net positive, but you're right in saying it wasn't a waste. The fact that it ended up happening, and I, in the past, in 2019, was against this whole process getting started. But once it did, let's see it through. And the best part about the fact that it is covered gavel to gavel is that we as Americans can discern with our own eyes and ears what our own senators are doing. So come Election Day for the Senate, we can all hold our own members of the Senate accountable for what they did during this trial. So that is Amen. also a Amen. big victory yes. of this process. And, and, and this is the thing. Again, Democrat or Republican, in my view, and I mean this sincerely, saying that we want to hear from John Bolton, you know, from Mick Mulvaney. Look, at if you compare Nixon to this, Nixon's top people, they testified. They had to go before the hearing and testify. So this idea that the president can just have blanket immunity, that his people, these new, these new things he's claiming beyond executive privilege. I'm not a lawyer, but, but I followed it a little bit. I try. And it seems it's insane. It, basically, he's saying he has kingly powers, that he is he's trying to put himself above the law. And to me, it's an affront to, to the congressional prerogatives. To me, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you got to stand for certain principles. And, and I, could, I could clearly understand a Republican voting for witnesses and then voting against impeachment. Okay, I could, but I don't understand really somebody saying no witnesses. No, I, I just think that is bullshit. Frankly, that when they say, "Well, the House didn't do its job," the House should have. No, Trump wouldn't go to the House. He, he, well, he didn't. It's, it's, and you're you're pointing out something very very accurate there. In fact, on my show on Sunday, I did have Senator Tina Smith from Minnesota on, and I said to her, "Is it a foregone conclusion he will not be removed?" And she basically said, "Yes." He will not be removed. But she was open to hearing witnesses. And she is trying to say from her role that she will be fair. She is trying to act in a nonpartisan way and just listen to what comes out. But here's the thing in the whole legal process of this verge. The issue that I see and why, you know, I, I don't think witnesses will come about and why I also think it's a tough sell is because the House did not subpoena Bolton when it had a chance. Well, they invited Bolton. Well, they said they didn't want to get bogged down in, you know, how long and the delay and all of that. Well, at the end of the day, that would have been going on record that you tried to get him, either got him or didn't get him before it went to the Senate. So that actually just, this is my opinion. That it was a technical flaw. Right. Exactly. And so they are absolutely, I think, completely within their right to want and ask for witnesses. But if it does come to 50-50, they didn't pass the bar. Yeah, we have I'm, to move on. I'm average citizen here, so I know that me and my buddies would much rather see Donald Trump on Friday Night Fights at WWE with Schiff. <laughs> Let's just put him in a ring. Because, I mean, you know, yep. Trump's tweet this morning i'd bet on schiff all day was like he was in a wwe fight of course, when he, that's when he called schiff mentally deranged and now, that's, if that, that's that, not presidential i mean at all no it's not befitting at all and, it is and it's out ridiculous. of line as usual look this is a guy that in, at rallies when somebody mouths off says take him out of here you know shut him up i mean he is wwe he, he yes that's his mentality and the, and the citizens of this nation i think would much rather see justice done that way 
than the way that you're describing. That's the Definitely sad yes. truth. Well, that is the sad truth, but that's just not how it's going to go. No, down, I know that. Right? And, no. It's and not. and the, at the end of the day, you know, I'm staring at this Donald Trump uh, tweet from his personal account right now. And this is completely unprecedented to right. say these kinds of things. But, but, but we've I've become been the one desensitized. Twenty sixteen and seventeen, he should stop tweeting. Well, and I'm sure his close uh, advisors wish he would. No, but let me and let me address that for a minute, Rashini. And I'm going to address this in a column soon. Uh, I'll make sure you get, uh, and and then you can have me on, and we'll talk about it. Um, Absolutely. He's never going to stop, and he has started something that I I would argue, Rashini, is it's completely new. Well, I mean, we all know that he's the Twitter president, and he's only the second president to tweet, right? But he is right. the first president to own the Twitter sphere. Okay, he has over fifty million followers that he tweets to that hang on his every word. And he is he is because by doing this, of course, he bypasses the traditional media. Every other president has essentially had to use the media to get their message out. He gets his message out directly to his foot soldiers through tweets and he makes policy that way. And and we we didn't understand it completely. And I'm speaking for all of us. okay? but correct me if I'm wrong, Rashini, if this isn't you. But I underestimated it. okay? when he would say here, here to for the armed services, you know, when it comes to gays in the military or whatever else, he would he would issue these these uh, he would pontificate. He would issue these these things. and people would make fun and we'd laugh and we'd say, he's, you know, he's nuts. He's crazy. He thinks he's making policy. But that's how Donald Trump views himself in a kingly way. It's sort of like the old every remember when every with, with the king, every town had their town crier and they would roll out the scrolls and say, hear ye, hear ye by order of the king. Well, he has that right here in the Twitter sphere. He tweets out and he believes he is the law. And you know what? If his followers, if his foot soldiers believe that that is the law, this is the first president, Rashini, and shut, shut me up any time. I want your opinion on this and then we got to go. But this is the first president who, instead of broadening his base, is deepening his base. This is a whole theory I have, that he has doubled down on depth as opposed to breadth. Now, you could say, Verge, how can a president win? He barely won the election, okay? And instead of broad, he is the first president in modern times that does not say, hey, if you didn't vote for me, I'm your president too. He says, if you didn't vote for me, screw you. And he doubles down on his base. He doubles down on his base. And he just keeps deepening it with his every tweet. He tweets more noon and night and all times in between and his followers his cult they listen for that and they follow that and so how what is his strategy to win in 2020 if all he's done is deepen his support as opposed to broadening his support and in fact he's actually lost not only has he not broadened his base he has narrowed his base because he's lost suburban women he's lost all ethnic vote he's lost virtually all african-american vote all mexican vote i mean virtually all through his hatred, his, his spewing of hate. Well, Verge, you've given me a lot to, to respond to here. So yes. let's start with, he's got 78, 71.8 million followers on Twitter as of today, 17.2 million on Instagram, okay, just on those two platforms. It started back in the 2016 election cycle when the national media, and I'm a former TV reporter myself, in the national media, they were spoon-feeding him airtime. Trillions of dollars of airtime. There was a 2020 special with him and Melania. So that was fault number one, starting with the national media. And so it is not shocking to me that he just ate that up. He's got some PR credentials. He's got some definite strategic communication credentials. He's a guru. No matter what else he's thinking He's a guru. He knows his audience. That's who he's playing to. But here's the thing. We can't look at the regular polls and who he's lost and who he still has. We have to look at the Democrats' action in this. 
And by bringing the impeachment process, instead of focusing on finding a candidate who could legitimately beat him in 2020, they have also lost some of their support. And you've got that independent voter that's saying, what the F? You know, who do I vote for? And in those kinds of times, often the incumbent wins. Well, let me say, I don't I don't blame the Democratic Party at all. I think that the Democratic Party, nobody's paying me to say this. This is my belief. George I think Bernero. what you're both missing um, with this tweeting thing is that the, the, the citizenry can also tweet back to him. So he can right. say, I'm hearing from the average American voter. And I know how they feel about something yeah, because so, I see it. So this is my point, Rashini. He's got something going here, okay, with this. And it, and it hasn't been studied. My point to you, and I'm wondering what you think about it, I'm saying that this is revolutionary, okay? When he says he's a stable genius, okay, I, I, I disagree with the stable part. He is, a, he, is a marketing, he is a marketing genius, though, okay? Yeah. He is a marketing genius. Yeah. And he has done something that no president has done, and it has not been studied. And as a, as a, in a small-D democratic sense, I worry about it because I believe that if you read 1984 and Brave New World, what he's doing is a whole new way of propagandizing. And his people wait, for, they wait on his every order, a lot of them. And so I, I am concerned. Uh, I think it's it's revolutionary. I think it should be studied. What does it mean for the election? What does it mean for spending? You know, uh, people talk about all his money, but really he can bypass a lot of it because he, he can talk directly to his followers. But well, again, he's giving a lot of free earned media. And that too, <laughs> that too. Everything he does on that social. Too, that and too. The fact, yeah. But the my fact, question is, how can he When we have win? a Democratic debate, he's in another state like Michigan doing a rally and that gets air coverage too. But how can he win by going deep and not broad? That's my question. How can he win if he doesn't if he doesn't broaden? If he if he again he's lost. Look at the midterm showed that he lost. I mean that that's empirical data. If you want empirical data, that's not polling, right? I mean he lost midterms. Right. He lost formerly Republican suburbs, and I don't see them coming back. So how? Yeah. What is his winning strategy if his he's going deep and not broad? About the, it, well, his winning strategy is really talking about the economy. Right. So he has some good optics going for him right now. We also had a lot of people who, you know, the numbers were good, but they weren't great. Actual electorate turnout. So if he can get not all of his deep base, maybe voted in 2016. So if he gets Uh, more of that deep base out, the independents who are sick of the Democrats and just are like, all right, I can handle four more years of him. You know, it's going to be very interesting, but but I do think. Okay, but 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 uh, what about. So, so, so if you look at if you look at Obama's numbers from twelve versus uh, Hillary's numbers in sixteen, you'll notice that the, and if you look at all the vote turnout, like the Republican, there wasn't a big surge for Trump. There was a big undervote for Hillary. So, if the Democrats get their act together, you know, and I and I say that I lose use the term loosely because I think that the primary election, the primary has been good with a wide variety of of uh, choices. But if Biden, for example, was successful in getting Michelle Obama. Uh, which he recently said he would love to have Michelle Obama. And I think the Democratic Party would embrace uh, the... the Meanwhile, about, Yang's going after t- Oprah. Yeah, yeah. T- t- yeah Yang <laughs> and Oprah, please. But going deep. Um, but I, I, I think that uh, Michelle is much more likely to go uh, to jump in than Oprah. Oprah ain't jumping in. But Michelle... I don't think Michelle Obama's going to jump in. I mean, it, I think that's a pipe dream. Is it? You know, that is a pipe dream. And the other thing is, I don't know that Joe Biden is the best candidate for the Democrats if he were to win the nomination. I mean, this is the thing. The Democrats have not spent the time, Verge, finding some viable candidates that truly could beat Donald Trump in 2020. What do you mean they're they're all polling above him? Klobuchar, uh, 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 Warren, Biden, Biden beats him across the board. 
But the poll, I mean, that that's one indication of where some people who and call Bi- themselves voters are. It and, doesn't. It's not yeah, the winnability. I hear you. I hear you. And Biden, right? Obama. But Biden, Obama. Come on, you just flipped the script from Obama, Biden to Biden, Obama. How do you possibly yeah. beat that? I just. She just sounds like she would never go back into that. Look, she's living a great life. She's the number one best-selling book. In 2019, she's on a speaking tour. With all due respect, though, Rashini, my question is, will her kids and grandkids be living a great life if Trump gets another term? You don't think she thinks about that? I I think they're very public-spirited people. I think the Obamas are very public-spirited. You know, the country is not, it feels sometimes like the country is falling apart. The country is not falling apart, Verge. You know, and I'm a nonpartisan, so I'll put that out there. Have you read the book, How Democracies Die? I would recommend I it. I would recommend that. it. We had the one of the authors on, L- Professor Levitsky, um, and it's a very interesting read. So uh, if you would, uh, I mean, I think you'll you'll enjoy it, and uh, it's instructive. I will find that, and, and I then, will read it. Uh, so I do fear. I do fear what the country would look like after four more years. When you elect an authoritarian, uh, things can change quickly. I really appreciate your spending this time with us. Uh, thank you, Verge. And maybe you will come back. Rochini, thank yeah. you. Of I mean, course, formerly of you. WDIV back, what, 206 you left? I left, yep, I left in early 2006 to move home to Minneapolis to start my business, but I have so much fun doing this kind of commentary and my radio show, which we actually renamed Real Talk with Rashini Sundays ah. 12 to 3 uh, in Minneapolis. It wasn't cold enough for you. Well, congratulations to you on your successes. <laughs> and uh, Thank you. I hope yeah, I'd love to come back, have a lot of fun with this trial, Verge. Thank you. Thanks. You too. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing the coronavirus. Should you be scared? Should we be scared? With uh, the Michigan Department of Mental uh, of of Health and Human Services Chief Medical Executive, Dr. Joni Calden. Is it possible that every person in Michigan, in every zip code, can have access to the most preferred health insurance? Can a company that is always bringing leading edge ideas Alexa, open my blue. also bring the good old fashioned roll up your sleeves work we need to lift up our communities? Are we able to take 80 years of knowledge and experience and apply it every day to help everyone in Michigan? Count on it. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Confidence comes with every card. And we are back on The Verge Show. Uh, We've been hearing all about this coronavirus, uh, Kevin. And when it first came up, you know, I remember I I like to read headlines to my wife periodically, let her know what's up in the world, because she follows local news, but not so much uh, national, international. And, uh, you know, she kind of poo-pooed it. And then as the numbers kept rising, I said, Bunch, this is nothing to poo-poo. I call her Bunch. Uh, I said, this is a serious thing. You know, this is where it's an epidemic, uh, but, you know, I don't really know the difference between epidemic, pandemic. What do these things mean? You know, should we be worried? Should we be traveling uh, or not? Uh, what precautions, if any, should we be taken? Uh, so we have a real expert joining us now, uh, Dr. Joni. And I'm going to ask her to tell me. I'm hoping I'm saying her first. Uh, she's not with us yet. So she hopefully will be here. And I'm hoping I'm pronouncing her first name right. And she can tell us how to pronounce her last name, which I has, have as Calden, Dr. Joni Calden, who is the chief medical executive with the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, Dr. Joni, are you there? Hi, this is Dr. Caldoun. Apologies, we're having some technical difficulties there. Oh, great. Dr. Caldoun, thank you so much for joining us. So uh, you are the top 
dog, top doc at the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, really appreciate your uh, coming on with us. We're trying to understand what is uh, this threat of the coronavirus uh, on a global scale, and what does it mean to us here in Michigan? Are there uh, are there precautions that folks should be taking uh, if they're traveling uh, or if they're just leaving their home? Yeah, so, so thank you for having me on. Uh, so, yes, across the world, uh, public health authorities are, are very concerned about the risk of coronavirus. There's over... 7,000 people who've been infected, Uh, 170 people have died. All of those people were in China. I think what's important to note for us here in the United States is that the CDC continues to say that currently our risk is is very low. Uh, So the risk of people getting the disease in the United States is low. We have had five cases confirmed in the U.S. across four states, so Arizona, California, Illinois, and Washington, and all of those individuals had a travel history to, to Wuhan, China. So the risk remains low here in the United States. So it's not a case where, because they make a lot of our products in China, uh, that this could have a delayed response here. We can't catch it from a product that we purchased that was made in China? So right now we're still learning a, a lot about how this virus actually operates. But what we do know, so coronaviruses are are known to exist. There's there's other coronaviruses that cause, you know, illnesses, cold-like symptoms in in human beings. And so based on the characteristics of those coronaviruses, we don't believe at this time that this coronavirus is passed by by touching surfaces. Coronaviruses tend to not last very long on surfaces. So what we believe at this time is that it, it, it would be transferred by being in touch with someone who's sick, so respiratory droplets, so in the air, someone coughs or sneezes, uh, and you then get that into your, your, your nose or your mouth, that is how you would get the disease. But it's important to note, we do not see any evidence currently of person-to-person transmission here in the United States. And so that is why the CDC is saying the risk remains very low here in the U.S. So, Doctor, what about uh, if traveling? Um, a lot of times this time of year, people are going to warm places, to Mexico. Uh, but even for those uh, headed to Asia, um, uh, you know, d- is, there, is there a travel advisory that says don't go to certain countries? Uh, and, and, you know, if we're traveling in general, should we be more cautious? I've seen people in airports uh, sometimes with those masks, uh, the white masks that you can you can buy for to to avoid dust or whatnot if you're painting or something, uh, uh, am I? Uh, is that the kind of thing that people should be considering more? Um, what what precautions should we take if we're traveling? So so currently the CDC is recommending avoiding non-essential travel to all of China. So that is the recommendation that the CDC put out earlier this week. Uh, in addition, I mean but let's not forget it is currently flu season and cold season. So everyone really should be getting their flu shot if they're six months of age or older. Uh, Everyone should be uh, practicing good hand hygiene, washing their hands before they they eat. Uh, And and, and everyone should really just be doing those basic things anyway at this time of the year. But the recommendation for travel at this time is to avoid non-essential travel to China. And that's from the CDC this week. So I appreciate that. Uh, so, Doctor, these diseases, I understand this is kind of a variation of, of other uh, recent 
type of uh, bird flu and whatnot that have, that have come out of China that have to do with uh, animal, something having to do with animal products and so on. Um, is, is this the kind of thing that, that you know, we can expect uh, uh, regularly? It's just, it's just par for the course now as, as human beings touch every aspect of the globe and are touching you know, every forest, uh, that this, this uh, human and, and, and animal interaction, um, that this, this kind of exposure uh, can't be really avoided? Well, we, we do live in a, in a global society, obviously. Uh, it is believed at this time that, uh, again, the, the center of this outbreak is in the Wuhan, uh, China, where there is a, an, an animal market where live wild animals are. And what's, what's likely is that somehow the disease was in one of those wild animals and somehow jumped over to human beings and, and essentially mutated. So that does continue to be a risk. Uh, this virus uh, seems to be similar to SARS, the SARS coronavirus yeah, SARS, that we right. saw several years ago. Is that why and they so, called it the yeah. bird flu a few years back, too, is it came from a bird? Yes. Yeah. Now, every time there's a new a new virus, they do kind of, you know, try to name it based on where they believe it came from. But at this point, for this new coronavirus, we actually still don't know what okay. specific animal it might have come from. So, again, this is evolving very rapidly. There's still a lot of unknowns, but it seems to be uh, acting like uh, the other coronaviruses that, that the medical community does already know about. This this disease uh, that comes from it, I mean, it's it's nowhere near 100% fatal if it's contracted, is it? Okay, we're, we're still learning. At this point, again, it, it looks like uh, over 7,000 people across the world have been infected, and the people who have died, it's, it's about 170 people. It's the last statistic I had from the from the. And what WHO. would they die from, doctor? What, I don't understand how they die from it. So, so generally, when someone, and to me, it's the same with the flu and, and other viruses, if you get the infection, your body kind of rubs up its response and so you'll have difficulty breathing you might get a fever and you can actually your body can essentially shut down if an infection is bad enough you can get sepsis or you can stop breathing and so that is how uh, not just the coronavirus but even the flu virus or other viruses would actually kill someone so again it's very important as much as possible that people prevent uh, these viral illnesses in the first place and again I think even more importantly right now here in the United States is to worry about the flu and to get your flu shot and to practice good, safe hygiene. So I really appreciate that, Doctor. And uh, and speaking of the flu, how is it seems like uh, from a layperson's perspective uh, in my in my town and, you know, between Lansing and Detroit here, I, I it seems like this has been a fairly mild flu season so far. But is that just my perception? I think it's a little early to say it's mild. We certainly are seeing uh, increases above baseline of flu illnesses across the entire country and here in, in Michigan. We have had actually two pediatric deaths uh, in the state of Michigan from, from children who died because of the flu. So, again, this year, actually, the, uh, the season started earlier than, than we, we expect in a normal year. And so, again, it's still very important. The flu is still here, and it's not something that people should take lightly. I was just in an emergency room not that long ago, and the walls, they were wall-to-wall. They couldn't have uh, enough rooms. Uh, They were just parked along the hallways of all with flu symptoms. Well, I got my flu shot. Did you get yours? No. You see? Now, see, Dr. But I already had it. Oh, well, that's great to hear. I I already had it. Oh, you? What do you mean? How fast does the flu come back around again? 
Like well, you, it, it, every year it kind of has the same peak. We do recommend that people get a flu shot every year oh, because yeah. the vaccines change. The, the the scientific community actually tries to predict <laughs> the, the flu strains every year. And so every year there's a different vaccine, and, and people really should get their vaccine. Definitely. I push annually. that, doctor. I push that with my family and friends. You know, you still – there's – you know, there's the the anti-vaxxers out there, and then there, there's people that just, you know, don't get around to it, and then others that are just kind of suspicious because they say, oh, one year I got the flu shot, and then I got the flu. Uh, and uh, it's like, no, the flu the flu <laughs> shot did not give you the flu. Right, uh, right. But, uh, yeah, we need to encourage people. That's, that's the best uh, approach is prevention. The other question I had Absolutely. for you was the president of the U.S. doing his job to prevent this from coming here, and has Gretchen Whitmer been in contact with you about ways in which to make Michigan safer? Because we have, the, obviously, the international waters here with Canada, and there's a lot of Chinese uh, individuals that live in China, because when Hong Kong closed, they all moved there. A lot of them did. Are we taking oh, any special? What I, what I can say is, I think 24-7, uh, our governor's office is engaged, uh, the CDC, our border patrol, everyone is working around the clock, <laughs> making sure we are appropriately screening individuals, making sure information is getting out. Uh, so the public health system in the background is is working, and I would say working pretty well. Uh, there's always more, I think, that uh, could be done. Public health in general, I think, the United States doesn't have the funding that it needs to have the uh, robust response that, that, that sometimes we, we think we should have. But I, I do believe that the CDC has been great working around the clock, getting information out to states and supporting states uh, as they investigate cases. So the public health system is working. Well, uh, Dr. Calden, uh, we know you're very busy uh, taking care of the health of Michigan residents. Appreciate what you do day in and day out. And thank you so much uh, for sharing uh, your time and expertise with us on The Verge Show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Okay. Thank you so Take much. Care. Take care. Be healthy. Of course. Thanks. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Verge, coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, the other huge news story of the week. Uh, which has been the uh, passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi. And uh, Terry Foster, who does a show with uh, Jimmy King right after our program, Terry's been a legendary sports writer here in town. And he's going to join you for just a few minutes, and we're going to talk about Kobe and his impact on the sports community. But one of the guys who had a chance to talk about Kobe on the Jimmy Kimmel Show this week was our own very uh, special Magic Johnson. So we wanted to bring that, uh, just a short clip of that. Do something positive, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, making sure that we love our family or giving back to an organization in his name. You know, we should do something great because he was such a great man, great husband, great father. Incredible basketball player, and uh, for 20 years, you know, yeah, to, long time to, to wear the Laker purple and gold. Man, well, that's our own Magic Johnson, and I say our own, especially from Lansing, um, talking about Kobe Bryant, um, what he what he was, what he meant. Uh, and with us in the studio is uh, our own Terry Foster. Yeah, I'm your own too. Absolutely. <laughs> Not from Lansing, but. Detroit sports columnist and host of the King and Foster Show on NRM. Terry, thanks for joining us. You bet. 
Uh, for those who don't know much about Kobe Bryant, um, why did he mean so much to the sports community? I think, uh, well, he meant, he meant a lot because he he was like Mike. Like, like people wanted to be like Michael Jordan. You know, they had the little song, want to be like Mike. Then the next generation wanted to be like Kobe. And Kobe showed a generation of players what hard work does, what dedication does, what focus does. Because a lot of people just assume these guys are really, really talented, which is true. But to get to that next level, you have to have that folk focus, you know, the, the Mamba attitude. And that's what he brought to the game. And as far as the world, why they liked him, I just think he was just so fluid. They liked the smile. Um, they liked the fact that he was into other things. And I don't think people knew much about Kobe the family man. They knew more about Kobe and his um, his problems he had in, in uh, Colorado when he was accused of uh, sexual harassment, uh, uh, assault. And uh, so they knew more about them. But still, you can win the public over with a smile and a charm and a fluidity on the basketball court. So I think that's what he brought to the game, and people people loved it. Well, of course, every father um, and parent could relate to um, that the video, uh, the videos that have come out of him as a very involved, uh, caring, committed father. Um, yeah, that's see, that's what got my daughter. My my daughter knows who Kobe Bryant is, but she's not really a Kobe Bryant fan. But um, I talked to her, and she was crying. And she cried because of the father-daughter relationship. And she thought about all the soccer trips we went for for travel soccer, uh, our um, drives to Canton, our drives to um, uh, Rockford, Illinois, wherever we would go. So she thought about that, about our relationship, and it kind of related to that one. And so that brought her to cheers. So she was crying for Kobe Bryant, the father not Kobe Bryant, the Laker sure, or the basketball sure. player. Yep, and as I largely was as well. Terry, uh, when did you, I mean, how many interactions did you have with Kobe, and what was your take on, on the man when you've had to deal with him as a media guy? Um, I dealt with him uh, about five or six times, and um, maybe the most uh, telling was um, the 2004 NBA Finals. I was convinced the Lakers were going to beat the Pistons. So the news sent me out to L.A. early. Actually, I was in El Segundo because this is where their practice facility is. And whenever I've seen Kobe, he's been focused. And we talked about the focus and the, the, the Black Mamba. When I talked to him then, he was unfocused. He barely knew who they were playing. You know, it was just a matter of time before they are going to beat the Pistons. And based on that conversation, I switched my pick. I said, you know, the Pistons are going to beat this team because Kobe is the L.A. Lakers. And if he's unfocused... I have to imagine the rest of the team is unfocused. And were you right? I was correct. The so, Pistons uh, beat him in five. He didn't have his head in the game. He did not have his head in the game, didn't pass the ball to Shaq enough, uh, didn't respect Tayshaun Prince. Tayshaun Prince played very good defense against Kobe Bryant. But Kobe just thought, I was just having an off series. I'm measuring him up. It's only a matter of time before I uh, blow this guy out the water. And it never happened. Well, in one game it happened. We, we can all experience – those corrections in life, right? When we when we take take things for granted, absolutely. Um, and uh, of course, his tragic loss. We extend our condolences to his family and, and friends, of course. Uh, and it's a reminder. And I think part of the reason, like it hit your daughter, and it hits folks, is it's uh, not only do we admire the man, but uh, it's a reminder 
of just how fragile this life is. Yes. And we sometimes we get complacent um, or, you know, even worse, depressed or whatever with this life. Um, but, you know, what a gift. It's a reminder of what a gift that uh, our family, especially our family and close friends. Terry are. actually can appreciate that, too, because of the health issues you had. I mean, I would think yes. that you saw a second chance at life as well. Right. And, um, you know, I, I had a stroke. It's been, been three and a half years. And, you know, they you know, they sent me a, a little cartoon in the hospital. And there was a little guy uh, driving this little car with a flag and basically said, you're in the driver's seat. So I could go either one of two ways. I could be serious about it and uh, improve and, and, and live a long life, or I could clown and uh, end up in the hospital again. So um, I thought about my family. I think about my daughter. I want to dance at her wedding. So um, that was a wake-up call for me, and uh, you know, I, I work out. In fact, today I had two workouts, Wow! which usually leaves me a little bit verklempt on a uh, Thursday, but um, I did that today and had a salad for lunch, so um, kind of changed my lifestyle a little bit. Congratulations Thank to you. you. You know, they say we are our own best doctors, and obviously there are things that happen to us that we can't control, but when it comes to what we put in our bodies, uh, we do, you know, the old adage about you are what you eat uh, is is a lot of it. I've really found that to be true because I always thought, the way you slim down is through exercise. That's not true. That's my, like 20% of my it. Wife, my wife's always telling me the exercise, because I, 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 I still kind of think that way. Like, I go to the Y. I can eat this because I love my sweets. Right. I can eat this and then go to the Y, spend some extra. And my wife always says, this is the exercise you need to worry about. You need to right. do less of this. Mm. <laughs> well, what, I, right. what I learned is uh, you get skinny in the kitchen and you get fit in the gym. What's That's, your recipe for the Super Bowl this weekend? What, what Give us a healthy uh, recipe here. Oh, man. Yeah, I, got four, broccoli 30, 30 and seconds. cauliflower. No I'm, no, I'm not doing that. I'm still doing chicken wings, but okay. I'm going to either smoke them or uh, bake them. Okay. And, you know, still do that, but, you know, just won't be fried. Yeah, but in 30 seconds, who are you calling? In the in the Super Bowl to win, um, Kansas City or Kansas City has a lot of firepower and they can just. But the, I'm thinking maybe this is going to be a boring Super Bowl, which favors San Francisco. Um, Kansas City keeps getting behind, and you can do that with you know some of the other teams they've played. But I kind of wonder if they get behind in San Francisco, if San Francisco is just going to start running the ball, and that could be a recipe for a disaster. So it's going to be a good game. It's, no, it's going to be boring. <laughs> Serious? Yeah, okay. I, I agree. Think so. All right, you heard it from the pro. Terry Foster, thank you so much, and congratulations on your second lease. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Verge uh, Bernero Show. I think it was pretty informative, and I guess by our next show, we'll have the end or of, of impeachment or not. Uh, so join us next week. In the meantime, be good to somebody. Take care. Is it possible to have access to the highest quality health care whenever your family needs it? Count on it. Count on Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan to give you access to the care you need with the largest network of top doctors and hospitals. Because when you find the doctor that's right for you, you should be able to choose her. Access and choice. It's health care coverage that works the way you want it to. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Confidence comes with every card.